Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today is a prestigious voice actor who is quite the resume, I must say. It will take you quite a few minutes to go through it on IMDb. Uh, he has done voices for Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Mortal Kombat 11, Freedom Planet, Detective Pikachu. The list goes on and on. So I'll stop the <laughs> intro right there. I'd like to welcome Sean Chiplock. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm I'm doing pretty OK. You know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hate Mondays. You know, I can't stand them. But for me, I'm, I don't know when my week begins or ends on a given on a given week, because, uh, you know, between streaming and auditions and freelance and everything else, I, I keep a full schedule most of the time, which, you know, as much as I lament that I don't have much free time, it is keeping my nose to the grindstone like that that has allowed me to afford things like my stream setup and the home that my wife and I now share and like my ability to support her side business as well or side hobby, I should say. Mm. So, you know, I'm I'm busy, but I always tell people I am I would rather be busy with work than busy looking for work because one of those two pays more easily for food at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. And that's one of the things I really admire about the industry that you're in, right? Because it it's not like <sighs> you you have a traditional salary where you do nine to five. Like you're always looking for it's your true. next next job right so you're never promised your next paycheck you have to go right like i i don't want us to end up getting too deep into the the social elements of the the recent hullabaloo that's been happening concerning bayonetta 3 yeah but like a, a small small section of that discussion that most people don't know about is you know first of all we expect that game might be the end of the of the franchise you know like it's the end of the trilogy i don't know if they plan on making a bayonetta 4 so already you are an actress looking at this in terms of I may not have this guaranteed work anymore after this game. But also, you know, in booking that role, they beat out hundreds, if not thousands of other people trying out for that project. And just because they voiced in that game doesn't automatically mean that they are going to be cast in other games as well. In fact, I know of cases where there's clients like, oh, this this person's really well known and they've been in all these major games. We don't we don't want to face, you know, backlash for using the same exact person. So we're deliberately not going to hire them, you know? So, you no, know, as you bring up, you yeah. know, like each each job that we work literally could be considered a different job that we applied for and happened to get. But as soon as that job is done, we go back to being unemployed, like literally one of the first things that they teach a lot of people who join the union is if you are not currently actively working on a on a project, you should be filing for unemployment. And even then, they still recommend that you file for unemployment and explain that you are a free a, a contracted talent that doesn't ever actually have employment with a company because unemployment is supposed to help us with those weeks, ideally, rarely, where we don't book any work and we don't have anything we're working on with uh in order to supplement the weeks that we do have work so you're right on the money with that right like how do they teach you i mean does the union even teach you to deal with rejection though because for every successful job you might get right. there might be like 20 that you don't get right uh well the union does host a bunch of workshops so i would be very surprised if handling rejection or like you know uh handling the idea of i'm auditioning for all these projects but i don't expect to book any of them i i would be very surprised if they didn't offer a workshop class based on that um but a lot of uh, ironically a lot of the ability to handle rejection 
has to come from the self. It's not really something that can be learned because it's a very emotional process, you know? Mm. Um, you can take workshops about logical things. You know, you can learn about how to operate audio equipment. You can learn about the best methods for, for reaching out to someone and, and initiating email conversation. But I have found that a lot of people who find success in this industry, I, myself included, as much as I want to keep playing pretend that I haven't enjoyed <laughs> some level of success in this industry, um, it, it relies on this sense almost, I, I jokingly refer to it as a kind of Stockholm syndrome where it's like, you know, just, just yesterday, like there were part of why I had so many auditions that were waiting in my inbox was because between my throat feeling wonky and like feeling overwhelmed by the number of auditions in my inbox, there was kind of this mental sense of, I don't know how I'm going to get through all of them. You know, like, mm. you know, can I even trust myself to come up with a different, believable, competitive performance for six, eight different projects that are all sitting in my inbox, all due within the next two days. But at the same time, despite all of those feelings of, of self-rejection, of worry, of, of doubt, it didn't stop me from eventually going, okay, well, this has to get done anyway. And then even better in my case, once I fell into that groove of being like, yeah, I like what I did for this one. Oh, I have an idea for this next one. Oh, I know what I want to do for this character. It's it's this willingness to understand that there's a pretty good chance you're not going to get the role because there are just so many other people all auditioning, some of whom are better at this character type than you are naturally. Uh, but still being willing to just say, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to explore. I'm going to see what comes out of this mouth hole of mine and, you know, how it how it fits the character that I'm going for. And generally just, <laughs> sorry, it's the morning sinuses. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, generally just this excitedness, not only about the opportunity that's right in front of you, but also the opportunities that are yet to come by. Like uh, it, there have been times where I have sent off auditions and been like, I have no idea what I just did. I have no idea if I belong in this industry. I still have moments like that but it has never stopped me from wanting to still be part of the industry because of what audition opportunities might I get in three months from now, in six months from now, in a year from now. Um, I remember, are you much of an anime person? Do you watch a lot of, of anime? I, I watch a bit. I probably don't watch as much as you. <laughs> so when, when odd, I mean, I barely have time anymore because of everything that I mentioned at the beginning. Um, when I first saw odd taxi, I distinctly remember going if this ever gets localized, if this ever gets a dub, I have to, I need to book one of these two characters. Obviously, I'm not entitled to that, but it was that sort of like, you know, I really want to be a part of this. Well, I ended up succeeding at that. One of the two characters was Shun Imai, who was this very high energy, optimistic skunk. And, and I ended up booking him and it was the time of my life. But it was that kind of thing where if I had backed out of the industry or prior to that point, you know, I might not have been in it far enough to get that audition in the first place you know hmm. so it's about it's about having this willingness even if you're not feeling it in that moment to trust that there will be future opportunities and that at least one of those opportunities will really resonate with you and it is that excitement about the unpredictability of the future that keeps me invested even when uh present day moments might have me feeling less than optimal hmm. when you because you audition for so many roles if you hear back about a role, have you sometimes forgotten what role it was? Because you've oh, done so, so many. All the time. <laughs> all the time. There are roles that I, 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 I kid you not, because I have examples of both. 
There are roles that I got told I was cast as less than 15 minutes after I sent the audition in. Wow. And there that that was Kai Keesk in Guilty Gear. Uh, and there are roles that I have been contacted a year and six months after the audition saying, you read for this client back in blah, blah, blah. And like things happen with production, not even related to the pandemic, but like things happen with production and they're only just now getting back underway, but they listen back to the files and they really liked your take as blank and they'd like to cast you. So what is your availability over the next <laughs> month or so? So you have no idea like how early or how late in the process that they are doing this casting for. Um, and there are so many times where uh, I will be doing a Zoom recording with, you know, a client and, uh, and it'll be for a project that we last recorded for. I think, in fact, there was uh, a client that the last time we'd done something was exactly a year ago. And I said, cool, you know, I'm available on this day. I'll pencil this in. But hey, if you could send over a voice ref of what we did last time or just like a voice ref that you've made from the work we've done so far, that would be really helpful because I have completely forgotten what I did for this character. And they're very understanding for the most part. You know, they know that uh, we're always on the hustle, that we're always like exploring our vocal range. And sometimes our voices, our throats may not be the same as they used to be, yeah. you know, back then, either because of like sickness or weather or age or something like that. So it helps to know where our baseline was so that we can figure out where we're going to place it. And if we need to, to practice it ahead of time so that we don't wear ourselves out 15 minutes into the session. That makes sense. How do you decide when to keep a voice close to your original voice and when to go off the beaten path, right? Ravali is like kind of close to your original voice, but yeah, then like, he's pretty close. Yeah, but like say Noob Cybot, it sounds completely different, right? Well, uh, it comes from various different places. Uh, in Noob Cybot's case, it came from the description in the spec because I distinctly remember that his voice he was codenamed, so we didn't know what it was actually for at the time. Right. His voice was described as ethereal, wraith-like, not of this world. So the two approaches that I took in my audition, the first one leaned very ethereal and wraith-like, you know, kind of like the voice that you would hear on the wind, you know, very like high pitch and like not quite in any one place, like it could form at any point in time. Um, and then for the second take, I went for not of this world. And so I wanted to do like, demonic alien-like creature, uh, which is where my inspiration for the very deep voice came from. Because I pulled from uh, sh uh, Black Doom in Shadow of the Hedgehog, because he is oh. literally wraith-like and not of this world and like demonic in his appearance. So I wanted to steal the voice from him and try that instead. Um, other times it may be voiced on, a, on the design of a character. Uh, a good example is Phineas and Ferb. You know how uh, I think it's Phineas is the one that has the the very pointed triangle head. Yep. Um, and to my knowledge, he also kind of has like a very like nasal kind of like younger high pitched tone. So so you can imagine characters that have like really big foreheads or really big noses might be treated as brainiacs or as as like the smart one or the schemer of the group. So they're going to tend to have voices that are like closer to the front of their head. They tend to be a little bit more nasal. <clears throat> Whereas characters that are, let's say that they have like a very small head and a very big chest, you know, they might uh, give off the impression that they breathe. You know, they have a, a very robust chest. So maybe they're superheroes or maybe they're like the bad guys. You know, they work for the, the bad boss and they just project really loudly because they got all that muscle on them. So 
we'll use visual cues. We'll use word cues. You know, anything that just kind of it almost becomes a game of like, what is the voice in my head that I attribute to this character? And that's usually what I'll do for my first take. And then I will actually read through the specs because, you know, maybe they're going for contrast. Maybe the guy has like this big hulking mass of a body, but he talks like this the entire time. What, you want me to take him out, boss? You want me to bring him out to the back and put a shotgun <laughs> to his head? You know, like, yeah, no, but see, that's, you're laughing because that's pretty funny. Imagine, imagine like you're watching a kid's cartoon and this big thunderous guy steps into the room and goes, all right, I'm going to need you two to come with me. You're like, <laughs> you're not prepared for that. So yeah, that's, that's all part of the creation process. And now, now I'm going to have to steal that voice now that I came up with it. If I ever book a big hulking mass character with a voice like this, I'm crediting you, uh, man. I'm sending, I'm, I'm sending part of my paycheck your way. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. But, um, because of the industry, obviously, the longer you're in it, you've got uh, less place to go creatively, right? Because you've already used an idea before. So how do you actually continue to create new voices as time goes on? Because you well, don't want, it's you, about, you don't it, want to dwell yeah, on a, past stuff as well. It's about finding what's familiar versus finding what's different. I actually had a weird moment like this when I was playing. Uh, are you familiar with AI, the Somnium Files? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so it's this. A little it's bit? this very silly murder mystery game that also gets very deep into a lot of different themes. Um, mostly about like love, acceptance, you know, stuff like that. Right. And uh, I voiced this, this scientist person named Pewter. And in the first game, he happened to be a lot deeper. He was, he was closer to around here. But I noticed that in the second game, his voice kind of went up for some reason. And, and this just may be a case of, you know, me recording at home during the pandemic and stuff like that. But as a result of his voice getting higher, you probably, this voice probably reminds you of another character, doesn't it? Mm, you know, it, yeah. it sounds a little bit like Rivali, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, w I was worried that people were gonna be like, well, he sounds exactly the same as Rivali, but it is about how you carry yourself as well. It's not just the voice, it's also the personality, it's also the cadence. Um, Rivali, as I play him in Breath of the Wild, is someone who's very self-confident and always kind of, uh, has this air about him, like he knows that he's good and he's waiting for you to respect him. Whereas Pewter and AI the Somnium Files, while he still has the same voice, is very much more educational. He's, you know, he's he doesn't think you're dumb. He just knows that he understands a lot of topics that are very complex. So he will go on rants about scientific processes and things, but he never treats you as dumb for it. He's just very excited about what he's... So did you notice, like, yeah. even though it was the same... Yeah, I, I saw you making those facial expressions where it was the same voice type, but a very distinct difference between how they handled their personality, how they handled their knowledge and their confidence about how much they knew. That is where you get those shifts. Um, a lot of voice acting books will teach you that a lot of the most well-known voice actors don't radically change their voice that much. It's about motive, personality, and intent, you know? It's, it's about taking that voice and figuring out, well, what does this voice want? What does this character want? Oh, how do they achieve their goal? Do they do it through intimidation? Do they do it through camaraderie? Do they do it through, you know, scheming or like traps or stuff like that? And that is what will color in the blanks in the voice that you haven't figured out yet and often comes up with something that is close to, but not exactly the same as something else that you've done. 
It's mm. naturally going to happen as our portfolios continue to grow. But being able to make those shifts, being able to make those distinctions is part of continuously achieving success because we don't just fall back on one established voice type unless you happen to be, you know, the late Don LaFontaine and that one established voice type is the one and only that everyone in the industry wants. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. But do you prefer voicing uh, more film-based or anime-based stuff compared to video games? Because... <laughs> Well, because isn't the paycheck different, right? Because I know, like, you mentioned on Twitter for Detective Pikachu, you had a small role and you got paid more for that than all of your work right, on Breath right. of the Wild. Which which I want to emphasize is not because of, uh, we could say it's because of the collective bargaining agreement of SAG-AFTRA, because that is written into the contract for film and, like, syndicated media that requires residuals. There's a whole argument about how like streaming services like Netflix have managed to avoid that, which sucks royally. But that's that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so any any smart actor will tell you uh, that the work they like to work is whatever work that they can book because it's a paycheck at the end of the day. Of course. And I also I also agree with that to an extent because. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, I'd rather be busy with work than looking for work. And and as a good example, um, my wife at her position uh, at a full 40 hour week makes about seven hundred dollars a week. Um, now, I can either work a two hour uh, anime session and make just under half of that, you know, 125 an hour, two hour minimum is two is two fifty. Or if I happen to work four hours of anime in a given week. That is almost as much as she made in 40. Or if I work a single four-hour video game session or a single SAG union session, which is a flat four-hour rate, regardless of if you use one or four hours, that is uh, a union four-hour day rate is $956.75 or something like that. So in that one four-hour session, I have made more than my wife does in a 40-hour week. So... Even if it's a lower paying job or I, I don't I try not to complain about, you know, how some mediums pay differently than others, because I'm just happy to be working all of it. Now, I still believe that, you know, those rates should be modernized and include residuals. Again, discussion for another time. Hmm. Um, but if we're answering the question in terms of what I'm personally interested in, my heart fell into voice acting because of anime. I, I was a total weeb in that regard. I stayed up late watching Adult Swim. We literally just had uh, an Adult Swim original anime, Housing Complex C, uh, reach its finale on Adult Swim. And I voiced one of the one of the important characters in that. So that was a surreal for, full circle moment for me where, you know, I got to hear myself on the same program that got me inspired in voice acting in the first place. Um, but I appreciate all opportunities. Vo video games have provided... Uh, one of the most lucrative opportunities for convention invites. And and I still get people talking to me about Breath of the Wild and Age of Calamity, you know, five, six years later. Um, I've recently had the chance to do more live action films, uh, live action film dubs, which is a whole different ball game. Let me tell you, it can be so hard to match the lips of a foreign actor speaking English while also making it sound like a good English performance. Um especially with how they will pronounce certain words or how long they'll take on certain sections. It's a challenge. Uh, but also, I'm trying to think of one more example. You know, there have been times where I've done like corporate jobs where I like uh, uh, teach about eth uh, ethics and hospital settings or about like efficiency and being a manager or, you know, uh, uh, 
uh, IT security training for companies like that. And I think those are fun because the amount of inside company knowledge about like being an efficient employee, being a good manager, about like efficient ways of, of, of tackling work processes, the amount of free knowledge that I have gained because I am narrating the training module for that company is is priceless, you know? Yeah. This is the kind of thing that that people pay $500 to go to manager symposiums to learn, and I'm getting it for free because I'm narrating it. It's it's so good. I feel like I feel like Billy Mays here with an incredible work training opportunity. So have you emceed a wedding? Have you emceed any weddings? I'd imagine you'd be I very good. I haven't em I haven't emceed a wedding. But I did MC a GameStop managers conference that was being hosted by Kevin Pereira. Huh? And yeah, so not only did I get to work with some really cool audio people and there was a really nice green room, but that managers conference was also how I learned about the limited stock special edition Nintendo 3DS that they were coming out based on, I think it was Pokemon. I don't think it was Diamond and Pearl. I think it was Black and White or Black and White 2. Mm. And so I literally got to call my then roommate at the time during one of the breaks of the conference and said, you need to go down to the GameStop near our apartment. I'm, I'm not kidding. I was like, I called him. I was like, you need to go down right now. See if they're taking pre-orders yet and put one in for me. He did. And I was so lucky because they had two assigned to that, to that location. It was the amount of stock that they had of those limited orders was based on how frequent that location was visited or how, how many people lived in that area. So they assigned two to that GameStop, and I was one of the two that got their orders in. So, wow. <laughs> so I know, I know you are a bit of a Nintendo fan or a Zelda fan, especially. I know you played right. Link's Awakening five times, but um, when after Breath of the Wild came out, huge hit. I imagine you built like a bit of rapport with Nintendo of America of, of some sort as a result Explain of Explain what you mean by building a better rapport. Well, a, a working relationship, I should say. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, there's so there's so much that we're not told that that we just kind of have to have faith in. Um, obviously, the sign that I knew I or uh the sign that I recognized that I didn't royally screw up is when they invited me back for the DLC. And then when they invited me back again for age of calamity. And then when they invited me back again <laughs> for the age of calamity DLC. Um, so I'd like to think that I have proven myself to them. Uh, but also a lot of the times or most of the time when I record for a project, I don't end up recording at that company's HQ. You know, I didn't go to Nintendo to record for Nintendo. I went to one of the dubbing studios yeah. and the recording studios here in Los Angeles Maybe a client from Nintendo was on the line with my director, but that rarely was ever the case. Um, usually it was just like <clears throat> a production manager or a script editor or someone responsible for making sure that what was performed works with the, the text that they were given and to make adjustments. If they're like, you know what? It doesn't sound as good now that it's voiced. Um, but, you know, like... I also have to to monitor myself outside of that. You know, mentioning the whole Bayonetta 3 thing, you know, I had some some words to say on that. And while I wasn't intending to rag on any company, I was just giving factual information about, you know, what I was paid, what I was offered. Obviously, it didn't look good for some people, and I'm hoping that it doesn't come back to bite me. So it's it's all up in the air. And, and at the end of the day, a lot of us just end up kind of isolated in our booths recording and and interacting with our colleagues and occasionally our directors as best we can. 
and just hoping that everyone's getting along well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that situation's constantly evolving anyway, so any opinion you right, give, right. It, it could be out of date by the by the following right. week. But um, part of the reason why I bring up the whole Nintendo of America thing, I was wondering if you tried to advocate to voice a character in the Super Mario Brothers film. If I've ever said, like, I want to voice this person well, or you guys should... Or, or did you speak to anyone or try and get your name out there to somebody usually a very bad idea like i uh, to say i would be lying if i said i have never actually tried that because there was a, a cringe moment that i will always remember where i heard that there was a chance they were gonna add zero as dlc for marvel versus capcom 3 uh, and right. so i was I, I was i literally contacted the company that i figured out did the dubbing for it was like hey if you if you guys actually add zero <laughs> I, I think I could do a really good zero. Here's some samples that I did of the character. Yeah, uh, I'm so. <sighs> I will be grateful if I ever get to work with them after something like that. Um, but uh, for the most part, you just don't do something like that. You know, you you let your body of work speak for itself. You do your best to build connections with talent and with clients, and then you know you hope that down the line an opportunity will come your way, especially if people know that you're interested in that type of project. Um, excuse me. A good example is uh, I didn't find out about the Breath of the Wild audition through the company that ended up doing the dubbing for it. Um, it was actually an opportunity passed along by Bang Zoom because Bang Zoom said, hey, we have a, you know, a colleague studio that is looking for people for this project that's uh, auditioning right now. If interested, you can send to this email and ask them to send you the sides, which I did. So if it, this is actually a case where if I didn't have a working relationship with Bang Zoom, I probably would not have had the opportunity to audition for Breath of the Wild, even though Bang Zoom had nothing to do with Breath of the Wild in terms of production. So that is that is usually the avenue where that sort of thing happens through. Mm. <clears throat> I know networking is like, an imperative thing when it comes to voice acting right and i uh it's very important yes yeah it, it, you can loan you can lone wolf it in this industry but if you're gonna do that then you need to either be a living breathing prodigy of the craft or you just need to provide something that is so unique that it ends up being sought after by by different clients right i am <laughs> because i imagine you're quite extroverted by nature i'm assuming uh, that i could be wrong no no i'm a massive introvert really i've gotten i've gotten better at socializing and and handling myself in social situations but because of a combination of like just really awkward behaviors that i would have in the past and the fact that a lot of my ways that i entertain myself uh do not involve other people it's like solo games or like playing stuff online and stuff like that uh most of my ways of relaxing involve peace and quiet on the couch at my home just kind of well because because i'm such an activity shark because i'm always streaming because i'm always auditioning it it for me it means that my clear divide between work and rest the rest has to not involve doing things you know yeah and that or at least sense. not doing things where i have to actively think if i'm not personally invested in it so i really cherish the time that i get to spend by myself without involving other people a big part of my wife and I hanging out with each other is not going out on dates. We do try to do that, but most of our hangouts with each other are just laying on the same couch, 
doing our own gaming thing, but being able to talk to each other if something strikes our interest. So Right, right. So do you have to hype yourself up then if you're going to some sort of networking event? Uh, I like get a very convention. nervous. I, I get very, well, conventions are different. So, so to answer the first part of your question, when I'm going to a networking event, yes, I am honestly always terrified. It's like, I really hope I don't screw up. I really hope I don't say something really fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> I, I hope that I recognize people there or that I don't feel out of place. I hope that I feel like I belong here. Um, but I do pretty well with just, you know, keeping to myself and just jumping in when I feel like I'm permitted to jump in. Um, at a convention, though, that's completely different because the convention has already expressed interest in having me there. Um, you know, it's not something that I signed up for. It's the con saying, hey, you know, we will pay you to come out here because we think you'd be a big selling point for our fans. Um, so to me, that is easier for me because I already know that I'm getting paid for my time, which is often during a weekend when I wouldn't have booked work anyway. So it's a little bit of extra income. Uh, but also because my main focus becomes making it worth the convention's investment, you know? So I interact with fans, you know, they're happy to see me. That's why they're coming to my table in the first place. Uh, I can play off the audience engagement. I can play off the emotions of others very well. So if you come to my table and you're already really excited to see me and really excited to talk about a specific character or project, it's going to be super easy for me to, to rebound that energy and say, yeah, you know, this project was fun for me because I really enjoyed this aspect of the character. It, it's very easy for me to do that. It's when I have to go to an event that I am not already the spotlight in. And I don't mean that in a bragging yeah, sort yeah. of way. I'm just saying, like, when I have to go to something where I am there, but I'm not the focus and and I have to figure out how to be relevant without forcing myself in. That is where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to cause problems. I'm going to just be over here texting on my phone for the next three hours straight well if it's any consolation so, like i never got that impression that you have anxiety or anything like that from every every video it, and every podcast and stuff that i've seen you do oh yeah oh yeah the confidence is there that just it doesn't mean just because i have the confidence doesn't mean i i uh don't also have worry as well yeah, yeah. so it's it's i wouldn't even call it masking it's just something i've gotten better at it's something i'm more comfortable with but there's always going to be that that back of the head fear of like you know don't make a stupid joke don't don't you know be ignorant so yeah mm. have you done <clears throat> conventions outside of the states i would like to uh i think the closest i've done is one in canada but i'm very fortunate that in early december i'm gonna get wait puerto rico is part of the united states so that doesn't <laughs> even count so not officially have you been invited have you has anyone reached out to you there was one that was like in the works and then it fell through. And I don't remember if that was because of the pandemic or not. Um, there haven't been a lot of opportunities. I feel like uh, a lot of those foreign conventions will often bring people with like international appeal. Like I imagine the main characters in, in stuff like Demon Slayer or Jujutsu Kaisen that had like worldwide releases, you know, of, of anime films and stuff like that. Dragon Ball Z being another big one. Um so it hasn't happened yet, or at least frequently enough for me to remember, but I'm definitely not against it. And, and if they think I'm a worthwhile investment, then I'm more than ready to prove it. I'm quite surprised by that because you voiced <laughs> a character in what is now considered one of the greatest video games of all time. Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild, yeah. I mean, I, I, did, I, I imagine while you were voicing the character, you had no idea the gravity. And Well, 
Uh, that is also a game that got dubbed in a bunch of different languages. So why, for example, would Germany invite me when they could instead get the cast of the German version of Breath of the Wild? Why would France invite me when they could instead get the, the French cast of Breath of the Wild? So that is a case where it also has more that locally relevant options that they can invite. But in the UK, they would have heard your voice. Australia, they would have heard your voice. Well, that's true. Yeah, but in the UK, they were probably like, he calls this like a, a British accent. You know, this is insulting to our language. I don't I don't want him. He says aluminum how? So. <laughs> mm. So in terms of uh, projects that you would like to work on that haven't had, that you haven't had a chance to work on, what, what type of projects would you like to do? I mean, because at, at this know, point, it seems like you've done mostly everything in terms of, <laughs> of what you could do. You'd think that, but... There, I have been trying to break into the animation sphere, like the Western prelay animation sphere, for years and had no luck whatsoever. I've tried to break into like children's programming more often because of my natural level of energy. St haven't had any luck there either. So you'd be surprised in, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, but um, on the one hand, I, I generally don't know how to answer that question because I try to avoid being uh not the word isn't complacent uh i don't try to rest on my laurels too much and i don't ever want to put myself in a position where i like poo poo a project or don't care about it as much because it's not the type of project i want to be working so instead my response to that usually is that i am grateful for every chance that i get to work on something um that being said a lot of people know that i'm a big 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 fan of first person dungeon crawlers uh stuff like demon gaze etrian odyssey operation abyss um uh, Undernaught's Labyrinth of Yomi, uh, to some degree, stuff like Labyrinth of Refrain, uh, where you have to you have to comprise a party of different class types and kind of find synergy between their skills in order to overcome deeper and deeper and deeper areas of a, a ever-expanding labyrinth. Um, and Etrian was the really big one, but that was a 3DS series, and they haven't come out with a new game ever since 3DS, you know, finally went out of production, um, or they stopped publishing new games for it. So I have had a chance to be a part of, of dungeon crawlers. Like, for example, uh, Mary Skelter is the big one that I mentioned to people. But I would love to be a male voice type or a story-focused character of a dungeon crawler like Demon Gaze, like Etrian Odyssey, that is more well-known, and, and this is where it gets into personal preference, kind of skews deeper into that I am difficult but not unfairly difficult like you need to understand your team synergy you need to understand the status effects and like the impacts of your own skills in order to overcome these increasingly more difficult layers and boss fights hmm how do you deal with times when your voice isn't quite up to scratch like you're, you're sick or sinuses or hopefully you haven't gotten bronchitis or something you let your client know. You tell them when you're feeling a little under the weather. You keep them updated on your health. You know, I hate that this is a thing that I can mention, but voiceover isn't like a lot of other uh, industries in the United States where you actually can't work while you're sick. You know, everything about your body and about the condition of your throat affects the noise coming out of your face. Um, so if I'm really feeling awful, if I think I might have COVID, if I've got a cold, if I'm just stuffed up, I will reach out to the client and say, is it possible for us to reschedule? In the meantime, 
a lot of self-care is involved. You know, I'm trying to always stay hydrated no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm not performing. Um, I may go see an ear, nose, and throat doctor if the blockage is constant, seeing if there's like a sinus infection. I actually found out that there was an acute chronic sinus infection that I had had uh, a couple years ago, and that helped significantly when I got it treated. Um, so it's it's a mix of all of that. It's a mix of self-care before, during, and after. It's about being uh, communicative with your clients and with your directors. Um, and it's about uh, making sure to practice co uh, consistently as well to to do your warm-ups and your cool-downs so that your voice is ready to perform. It's a muscle like any other part of your body. So if you try to do a full workout without prepping your muscles ahead of time, you're going to put yourself at an increased risk of hurting yourself. But is there certain foods you avoid permanently just to avoid any, like dairy or like spicy food to avoid mucus or acid reflux or things like that? Nature? I think it varies on a case-by-case -case basis. You know, there's some, I, I wouldn't call it a myth, but I definitely don't think it's a universal thing. There's some people for whom, you know, Dairy might do not do anything bad. There's some people for whom dairy might severely rough up their throat or produce a lot of mucus if they're lactose sensitive or something like that. Um, I'm a big proponent of spicy food, so I'm pretty accustomed to it. There may be people for whom spicy food has them going, <coughs> you know, constantly and it dries their throat out. So it's really about just figuring out how different foods react to your digestive system, make your body react, and then making your own decisions from there. So can you eat most things and be all good? I haven't really paid attention. I would almost say I generally don't eat anything prior to a session if, I'm knowing, if I know I'm going to be performing that day, simply because when I wake up and I'm preparing for a session and I know how I sound prior to that, that is the sound I currently have. And I don't want to put that at risk by eating something and then Maybe that food doesn't react well and I feel under the weather or maybe I end up getting something stuck in my throat and I'm coughing a lot and now my throat is sore. You know, it's it's that if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing where you can eat, you know, you're not going to die if you don't eat before the session. So I am going to just wait until the session is done and then treat myself afterward and then there's no worry. Mm. If you had the opportunity to give like a, a lecture of some sort on voice acting at a university or something of that nature, would you be open to doing it? Oh, I do it frequently. Uh, I, I have hosted uh, panels at conventions before about like voice acting 101, about like, you know, the essence of networking, about, you know, the personalities of highly successful people or the, the habits of highly successful people. I believe I have one later or a couple days later from now where I'm doing like a Zoom class on that sort of thing as well. So it, it's not a question of if I'd be willing okay. to do it. I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that you didn't know going into this, but yes, that while I don't charge for workshops, while I don't do that sort of thing where like I host an evening workshop where people pay me and I give copy because I don't consider myself at a level where I can direct people like that and like establish habits in them. I am more than willing to share my knowledge and my experiences and see how that might help others to find their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've got quite a diverse income then. Like, you don't have to... Well, like, voice acting feeds into other avenues for you to... You said a, a diverse income? In terms of, in terms of like, voice acting, like, you don't have to rely just on voice acting. I mean... No, voice acting's pretty much full-time. Uh, I do the Twitch streaming, but I don't do it as a source of income. It was something that I picked up during the pandemic 
to help me give me something to do yeah uh because i was getting bored sitting around all the time uh but i don't incentivize people to buy subs i don't put things behind a paywall and 50 percent of what i make any given month from twitch immediately goes back to my mods as payment um oh is that how it so i don't make i don't make very much off of twitch uh i don't charge for my workshops as i said uh conventions are probably the only side income i would i would add on to that and it is nice and i'm i'm glad that it's been consistent but it's also something that i have to consistently keep booking new work on voice acting to maintain mm. because ruvali is good but he doesn't sell as many prints as d luke from genshin impact still does but d luke is not always going to be massively relevant you know eventually people are going to move on there's going to be a stronger uh pyro character so i need to have new characters to back that up otherwise eventually i'm gonna fall out of relevancy you know so voice acting is like the main thing it is it is like the core of my income and anything i happen to make off of side stuff if at all is just incidental rather than intentional yeah but you get royalty payments as well don't you and just from detective pikachu uh i don't know if there's any other projects i'm on that would end up paying residuals but even detective pikachu i wouldn't consider it a like reliable source of income because at this while i do still get checks it's something like 70 to 150 dollars every month or two or something like that like it, it'll pay for like two weeks of gas and that's about it but it's i suppose well you you won't be prepared for it then so you just get a random check in the mail and you're like oh that is true yeah that is true yeah yeah so that's bonus money is always nice money yeah yeah so um what's what's on the what's on the horizon in terms of what you want to do in the future do you just want to do voice acting or do you want to move into I, something? i hope to voice act until i die i'm enjoying streaming i don't know if it's going to be like a lifelong or a long-term thing but as long as i keep enjoying it and have things to share with my audience i'm willing to look into it although i've been completely upfront with them where if it ever got to a point where my voice acting work was so frequent that it was going to begin to cut into my streaming time for my own health and my own sanity the streaming is the first to go like it the voice acting comes first and foremost more than anything else mm. um so that is my hope is i'd like to be able to perform at least the way i feel right now i'd like to be able to perform in projects for the rest of my life um but I'd never say never you know like there was a point the earlier this week where i had this really strong desire to want to start a podcast and interview people because i realized i was passionate about so many different things um you'd be good at it i right i i would love to see if i could get into other types of content creation you know there was a point in my life where i wanted to be a flash animator and who knows if in my 40s or 50s that may become my downtime learning to work with things sort of 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 activity that i do for myself so <laughs> it's voice acting for now but no one knows what the future holds and that's part of what makes it so exciting yeah yeah but so what do you do like during your downtime besides streaming and well i sleep just <laughs> <laughs> uh literally no no like in, in so i woke up at around like i want to say 8 30 this morning because i actually got some decent rest last, uh, last night and a lot of what i did prior to this interview was just kind of chill there and like enjoy how comfortable i felt under the blankets and like Felt the nice cool air coming in from outside because it's finally starting to cool down consistently in California, you know, with the highs of like mid 70s, early 80s instead of mid 90s. Um, and I browsed my phone and I checked some emails and I, you know, discussed convention stuff. 
But for me, being able to just lay there and and just it's hard to describe. I'm sure the Germans have a word for it. It's the the idea of just doing things as they come across my field of view and not specifically going, oh, I'm going to take care of this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to take care of this thing next. It was browsing and like, oh, I got an email. Oh, I'll respond to it. Oh, this person's messaged me. I'll respond to them. Oh, I want to look up this thing. Oh, I should check on that. Like just letting my thoughts wander where they want to and just doing things based on that is actually incredibly relaxing because it feels like you're doing stuff on your schedule instead of everybody else's. Hmm. That's a good way of looking at it. You seem to yeah. have a very, very positive attitude, which is good. I don't know how you maintain your energy and your positivity. Uh, being bullied a lot in middle and high school because it led to me becoming very introverted and it meant I had a lot of time to reflect on myself and that exemplified or that extrapolated in college to having a firm understanding of what's important to me and what I enjoy, which is extremely important for any person when it comes to finding your homeostasis and, and resetting yourself back to like a nice neutral place. Right. So, so have you met your- Thanks, bullies. <laughs> you haven't met up with them and be like, hey, thanks for that. Uh, there's one bully that uh, reached out after a long time and was like, you know, I, I used to treat him like garbage, but I'm so glad that he's done so well for himself. And and I've kind of like accepted that, you know, we were young and we were stupid. And as long as they're not being a jerk to other people, I'm willing to forgive them. And then there's one other bully that I don't think has done very well for themselves, but I have no evidence that they've done anything to do well for themselves. So fuck them. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, um, hey, I'll, I'll wrap up there. But before before we go, um, where's, where's the best place everyone can follow you? Definitely Twitter or Twitch. Uh, I know that a lot of people are like, you should get an Instagram. You should get a TikTok. But this is where the introvert part of me is like, no, I have no interest in making my entire life a performance for uh, an audience of people. So Twitter is where to go for like memes and announcements and like uh, uh, my stream notifications. Twitch is great if you want to just relax and like experience games together with me. Uh, and we can have some side chatter on the side. We have community events as well, like multiplayer mondays or the live dubs that we're doing for the ace attorney games both uh same name sonic mega s-o-n-i-c-m-e-g-a but those are probably the main two i do also have a discord community um and people are free to dm me on twitter if they want the invite link to that cool and one last question i i assume you're going to play tears of the kingdom when it comes out zelda tears of the kingdom well i never played breath of the wild <gasps> Didn't touch it at all. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I bought I bought the master edition. I got the the ultimate biggest limited edition version that you could get, and it sat unopened in my room for two years before I finally cracked it open to uh give some of the bonus stuff away to a friend who had better use for them. Uh, <clears throat> that's because of of my my the way that I am with how open ended Breath of the Wild is. The fact that it's like. 120 shrines most of which you don't even need to do to complete the story like i am someone who has to dedicate themselves to a game if he wants to finish it right uh when i found out about dicey dungeons which is by the way only two dollars on nintendo switch instead of 15 and is absolutely worth the price right now um until october 26th depending on when you publish this uh when I bought that game, it was all I played for like a week and a half straight until I completely finished it. With Breath of the Wild, if I set it down any longer than like three days, I would forget about it. I'd forget where I was, what I was doing, how much I'd already completed. There's way too much. Now, Age of Calamity, I did play all the way through and I even did it on stream. 
So yeah, that's a case where I, I am very excited for Tears of the Kingdom. I'm happy for people that have been waiting so long. I will definitely, you know, keep an eye out for videos so that I can be relate or rel uh, uh, knowledgeable about what happens in case any of my characters happen to come back. I still have no idea if that's going to happen. Um, DLC, maybe. But that, yeah, that's that's mainly what I'm looking at. <laughs> um, but outside of that, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Time will tell. Mm. Well, Sean, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out. You do a lot of these, so I was like, I, I wanted to try and not ask you stuff that you get asked a lot. Um, I don't know if yeah, I succeeded sure. or not. But um, yeah, I appreciate... You did just fine, and I appreciated your enthusiasm too. Oh, thank you very much. All right, well, that is the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Support Sean and all his future endeavors. And uh, if you want to, you can advocate for him to get more work. If, if you know the right people <laughs> bring me to germany i want to see i want to see if i'm as popular as the german rivali <laughs> all right everyone take care until next time stay safe <laughs>